everybody. I'm Peter, the bass player for intergalactic pop star Dasha Sigweed. He named his dog Woof Huff Tarkin. It's Mike. It's true. Together we are Rebels Rebels, the podcast where we explore the Star Wars expanded universe through a deep dive on the animated series Star Wars Rebels. Our guest is an award-winning podcaster, host of Steel Wars from L.A., by way of Melbourne, Australia. It's Steel Saunders. How you doing? Hey, you guys. I'm uh, excited to talk. A you, you picked a good episode of Rebels for me to, or, or, or an episode that suits my um, my mm. needs out of an good. animated Star Wars cartoon. So I was uh, I was very pleasantly surprised to oh, uh, yes. get this one. I'd forgotten. Like I had no idea what happened. Mm. I totally. I was like, what happens in that one? And yeah. Good stuff happens. I um, this is a uh, a good app. Nice. Yeah. yeah, it's funny watching these back after so many years and be like, oh, totally forgot about that. But uh, before we get started, please subscribe in iTunes or your favorite podcast app and leave us a review in iTunes. It helps a ton. So we've heard. You can also find us on Instagram or Facebook at Rebels Rebels Pod or email us at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail Mike, you ready? I'm ready. Steel, are you ready to get into this ep? I am ready. It's all about family. Let's learn a lesson. Ooh. Ooh. Season one, episode 12, call to action. As public awareness increases around rebel activity, they target an important imperial network. So, the first scene, this is really interesting to me, Tarkin, well, we don't know it's Tarkin yet, but Tarkin arrives, and this scene mirrors the first scene in the series, as if you remember, like, the Star Destroyer going over the city, but it also mirrors Return of the Jedi, with the Imperial March, and the shuttle, and all the lined up troops, um, and Chris Voy and Joel Aaron, who work on the show, said that that was their inspiration. Yeah, and I'm super curious to see what you guys think about this, but anytime like a director or a creator or a writer does something that mirrors another piece of art or work, I think, I feel like I often like, oh, there's going to be some thematic connection or there's going to be a tie-in or correlation. Like they're doing this they're they're doing this like for a reason but i actually for this episode couldn't figure out the reason why they were doing such a like reflective recreation yeah i think you're looking too deep into it okay (laughs) yeah it's a kid show okay (laughs) no no no, not even and like sometimes it does you know they are trying to say something but i just think it's like hey let's bootleg that that sweet scene from return of the jedi put on the same music and and show that these imperial uh, arrivals of yeah. uh, a dignitary, uh, you know, they happen more than once. It's a sweet callback. And it's quite yeah, often, yeah. I don't know, like like that sort of that sort of ode to the movies rather than the forced connection to the movies. Mm. Do you know what I mean? This is just paying yeah, it's homage. An, an homage. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think I just really like that scene i don't know if i find that scene in return of the jedi very striking yeah and so is. i think it might just end at that like oh that looks cool let's put it in our show 
Yeah, and there's also just that thing of here's an animated alternate view of the same scene. Like there's uh, that yeah. sort of like, ooh, that's mm. cool because you're seeing it in animation. So I mm. – uh, the, the opening of this, sometimes, yeah, sometimes the connections and, and you know, the, the, the ring theory or whatever gets a little bit uh, on the nose, but this is mm, delightful. Yeah. yeah, for some reason too, I don't know if you two agree – but there's like blue tones because it's kind of like dusk in this. And it really reminded me of the Disney logo. When you're, you're seeing over the city, it kind of looks like the yeah, castle no, shooting fireworks. Absolutely. That's the <laughs> first thing I thought of when okay. I saw this. When I saw that, I was like, oh, shit, it looks like whose castle is that? I don't know. Sleeping Beauty's castle? Yeah, I think so. Or like, I don't know. I think it's Sleeping Beauty's castle. <laughs> but I thought that was so reminiscent of that. So I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out because I was like, "Is that good. a reference? I'm not crazy. Is that referential to Disney's logo? Yeah. It's also um, even to further the Return of the Jedi ness. That Imperial Center there is it's like a parked Death Star, just just half Ooh, finished, yeah. just chilling. So the you know you can if you and it's huge. It's huge. Yeah. If if you like with your head photo like with your mind Photoshop out the rest of the city. Yeah, you know I mean, it's a shuttle Tidarium going mm-hmm. towards a Death Star. A hundred percent. And it's massive because you see a Star Destroyer next to it and the Star Destroyer is pretty small next to it. So yeah, it totally is like a half Death Star. Yeah, I wonder if they just all have one manufacturer for all their accoutrements. <laughs> you will. There is actually something I saw. Um, I didn't put it in the notes, but like the gunner seat, like Zeb is later in the episode is doing using like these anti-aircraft turret kind of things. And those yeah. seats are the same seats that they use in the TIE fighters. Yep. yep. Mm. And Maybe also, they all just shop and, at Ikea. And also those turrets that we're getting ahead of ourselves, <laughs> they look exactly like the turrets from Star Wars Battlefront, the video game. Those like box turrets. I bet that they got it know. from Star Wars. I bet. I bet <laughs> it's referential. <laughs> um, so I really like this scene. Um, Will Huff, Tarkin, departs from the shuttle and he is he has surprised minister maketh Tua with his visit ah grand moth Tarkin I am honored by your visit to Lothal my visit is hardly an honor minister I admit I was surprised to learn you were coming and I too have been surprised by what's been happening on your little backwater world (laughs) Because the rebels are proving to be quite effective. Mm-hmm. I also like that he drags everybody. <laughs> uh, so here's here's a couple of things he says. So Minister Tua says, oh, it's an honor, boys. My vis- visit is hardly an honor. This backwater world, blah, blah, blah. Callus stood idly by. Like, he's just dragging everyone. They, uh, the Inquisitor is like, oh, there's a Jedi. And he's like, if only we had someone who could deal with Jedi. <laughs> it's like, it reminded me of that scene. Do you remember that, um, that movie, um, Half-Baked, the Dave Ch- Chappelle <laughs> movie? There's yeah. that scene where the dude quits the fast food place and he's like, F you, F, F you, F you, you're cool, you're cool, F you, that's what I, f- I feel like Tarkin did, he oh. just got off the shuttle, was like, F you, F you. That's one of my favorite <laughs> scenes in all of film history, I'm so glad you just brought that up. Mm-hmm. Um, one other thing I like, I want to point out is I just, I noticed that I'm sure it's like some animation thing, like having to do with memory or computers, I don't know how that works, but did you notice that all of the troopers that aren't main characters are being are standing all the way still 
like not just like still and kind of breathing or shifting their weight a little bit like military like they're frozen in time and it's kind of creepy it's like they're talking amongst a bunch of mannequins yeah but isn't that a, a throwback to return of the jedi when they were all matte painted oh were the troopers matte painted too yeah yeah because apparently oh, there was one i've never oh. seen it apparently there's one that had a smiley face <laughs> um, painted on but yeah if you oh. like if you look at the map paintings of return of the jedi there's like there's a few real troopers but hmm. the majority of them are, are just painted oh i knew the background was map painting but i didn't know the troopers that's really oh, interesting it's pretty holiday special i like that yeah the um map painters and stuff that they ruined real things though i went to <laughs> <laughs> No, I went to the Grand Canyon and it just looked fake the whole time. <laughs> I had to keep, like, keep taking off my sunglasses and like squinting and just trying to see, uh, trying to see like uh-huh. the realness. Isn't that funny how so much of like image, like so much imagery has ruined reality? And I can totally like resonate with that. I remember standing atop like this cliff overlooking the Bixby Canyon Bridge. And me and my buddy were standing up there, like, soaking in, like, this iconic bridge in California. And a guy walks up to us and he goes, is that the, is that the background from the Windows 7? <laughs> I'm like, is that what we've reduced this to? Like, backgrounds for computers? Pretty wild. <laughs> so sad. It's super sad. Um, so, as part of his dragging... He doubts, Wilhuff doubts very much that there are any Jedi. He says all the Jedi are dead and doesn't think that Kanan is a Jedi. So he wants to capture Kanan to prove it. Um, I'm. Does, was this believable to you too? Because I had a little bit of trouble figuring out why he would actually want to capture Kanan instead of just kill him. Was it just to like satisfy his curiosity or to win a bet? Oh no! Doesn't the emperor want like a, a fresh Jedi to poke? Maybe. Yeah. Well, the whole point of the Inquisitors is to hunt down the Jedi. So do, I wonder if the Jet the Inquisitors hunt them down, bring them to the Emperor Emperor first, and then if Sheev is like, no, I don't like that one, then <laughs> then uh, they kill him or send him off to jail. I kind of think it's twofold. I think it's first exactly what Steele said. I think it's like the emperor wants like a pet turn. But I also think, and this happens later in the episode, Tarkin even says, um, excuse me, Will Huff even <laughs> says that um, he wants First that name basis. He's yeah, very yeah. casual. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, did you read uh, you know, Me and Will Huff are pretty tight. Um, but he says that the Jedi are problematic, not necessarily because of their skill, but because of mm-hmm. what they represent and what they stand for. Yeah, we'll get to that later on. Um, he talks about how they're problematic because it gives hope to the people. If, yeah, I found exactly. it very broom kid. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> so um, this was also interesting. So why 
Lothal as a backdrop. Why is Lothal so important? I think as we go on in the series, we see more and more of Lothal's importance. And I think this is the first time it was explicitly stated by Will Huff. He said that Tua was tasked to protect Lothal's industrial interests, interests that are vital to the expansion into the outer rim. So I guess they're using Lothal as like kind of a base to jump out and conquer all the other parts of uh, the the Wild West, if you will. I mean, not to get too political, but it's their oil interest, right? Mm, Michael Moore over here. <laughs> oh, <you know. laughs> so this whole Lothal, what its secret meaning or what it, you know, its importance. Like we're, I, I guess we're, we're six episodes away from it ending. Uh, mm-hmm. He's sort of stating where you're, yeah. So just so people know what we're talking, you know, when we're talking about this, because yeah. you'll hear it at a different time. But like, what? Like, I just can't see anything that they're going to say that Lothal is for is going to really excite me that much. Uh, and there's a yeah. different type of fan that just like they say we were mining the metal from the Death Star, and everyone goes, ooh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know the, the connection thing, like that sort of like blank connection. It doesn't, it doesn't help the story for me. No, often it actually actually takes away because I'm sort yeah. of just like, uh, really, yeah. What a what a, what a coincidental yeah. little galaxy we're living in. <laughs> and, but it's, I tell you what I do like though is when Will Huff. I'm I'm, I'm going to get casual as well. Good. Um, or I should say, good. When he Sorry. talks about how he knew the Jedi and how they're dead and, mm-hmm. like, I love that sort of kind of world building where it's like, what do people know that, like, what do the people experiencing these events know about the Jedi compared to what we know? And mm. and, and sometimes with the expanded universe, particularly in the comics and, and the animation, I, I enjoy it the most when it's, you just get that sort of other view of the galaxy sort of thing. Mm. Like, yeah. you know, like just what, do, what does the, you know, what does a, a someone in the empire know about the Jedi? What do they think happened? Like wh- when she yeah. said um, that the governor says, I heard stories like that sort of stuff. I find yeah. really intriguing rather than yeah. like, we're getting the ore for the, uh, <laughs> the, the tie interceptor from this one. It's, 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 it's kind of like a generic thing. It's same with like the, in the last Jedi. And like, I, I, I tweeted this thing that, <laughs> caused a little bit of uh, a ripple <laughs> where it was like uh luke skywalker you know ray walks up the stairs luke skywalker goes oh my god it's the granddaughter of ben kenobi like <laughs> is the movie better now like do you like the movie more like does that just getting that like that line does that make the movie better and for some people it does because they're they're connection collectors Huh, that's interesting yeah i never thought about it in those terms um, to talk to get back to what you were saying about Lothal, though, I I I completely agree. How dare you bring me back on topic? <laughs> <laughs> this is all on topic. It's a symbiote circle. Uh, okay, no, oh, wow, it's a reference from that movie we watched. <laughs> I like references. So just to be safe, I want to avoid spoilers a little bit. But in the new series, they got like pretty trippy, mystical with yeah, Lothal. I've seen. Some Did of you that. see that? I and I don't I'm like re- it. 
I was going to say, I'm really excited to see, because that gives me hope that it's not just, oh, this is where Kanan was born and that's the big reveal or, oh, this is the ore for the Death Star. Like, I think it could take it to some really weird trippy places. Yeah, I I guess it's like, I, I know I've already said this, but like a good, like a story that's worth telling is like a story that kind of like is above coincidence. It's like, yeah, it's like not just, it's like a good story has coincidence in it, right? But like things are getting like too coincidental with rebels at times where I'm like, why does Lothal have to have a Jedi temple on it or all these connections? It's just like, it's at times it's starting and I love this show, but at times it's starting to feel like a Jane Austen novel. Like, oh, you've, everyone is related and it's gonna, and, it, and I, I don't know. I don't know if that references. That's actually a, a weird reference to make for this. <laughs> I, I totally agree. And I, I sometimes find the Star Wars Rebels has two crutches. Um, one is connections and cameos yeah. that sort of right. try to make up for, you know, like, or, or people sort of put ahead of the actual quality of the story. And the second one is Space Wells. No, Ma- <laughs> Ralph Macquarie drew this. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my God. Thank oh my you gosh. so much. It's, it's, it's like the, the fish that Ralph Macquarie rejected three <laughs> times uh, are just rotting at the back of the Lucasfilm archives. And- yeah, it's so true. Like, I love that Dave Filoni is taking such care, but at the same time, I'm okay with hearing his voice. Like, mm-hmm. I'm totally, I trust him as a creative to go for it. Um, and I, at times I wish he would do that a little more. Yeah, and, and and where are the like where's the new Macquarie? Do you know what yeah. I mean? Where like I, I see all this like fan output mm. of, of concept drawings and you know all that sort of stuff, you know, on Twitter and on Instagram, so much talent and yeah, you know, we're going through the scraps and it's it's fine, but it doesn't make the cartoon any better for like it's just yeah, you know, it's just it's it's just a tiny bit of sugar, do you know what I mean? Yeah. It's not yeah. And, and and sometimes I think they they harp on about you know oh this is Macquarie and it's sort of like yeah I just <laughs> like when I watched the original Star Wars films I wasn't going oh that's Macquarie I was just taking it in <laughs> yeah and, you know and, and some of the references are fun like I, I I can remember they had the troop transport the old mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah. you know, they, like that was sort of like yeah. a an expanded Damn. universe Star Wars toy and they brought that in and that's like, it's cool, but it's just, they're cool little Easter eggs. It doesn't like, you know, make up for the whole story sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I think, I mean, I think it's fun to point them out and I think it's a balance. Like I've brought up this a million times, but I love like aesthetically, I'm not super into how the lightsabers look in this, in this series, but I love that they took the model from the original one and like replicated the technology digitally because it's something they care about. Like I like those touches, but when it's just kind of like, Oh, here's like a, here's like a bunny that Ralph McQuarrie drew. Let's throw that in there. Like it becomes like a drinking game. We point out almost all of those references and it becomes like, all right, take a shot. This is based on a Ralph McQuarrie sketch. 
Or it gets even so pedantic to like, oh, the wing has a little symbol on it that was once on a sketch for the Millennium Falcon. It's like, okay, cool shot. Yeah. And that's what I mean. Like, they're cool, but like... I, I just feel like they place too much importance. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know, like when you watch the Rebels Recon and all that sort of stuff, it, it seems to be like the lead story is mm-hmm. spiders were in yeah. a picture that George Lucas didn't like. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and I know you do this with any, I, and I think I'm being so critical because I love this. I wouldn't be this critical with something I didn't love. I just wouldn't give any thought to it. But I, it also makes me think, what would I be saying or thinking if this was on the total other side of the spectrum where they were really, really going for completely original, 100% new, really take going out there and taking risks, and some of it wasn't working. Um, and yeah, yeah I, I, I don't know. I'm just, you know, this conversation could be on the other <laughs> side as well. But um, ah, yeah. So I'm going to take a left turn because I have some big news. You don't know this yet, Steel, because we haven't officially launched yet, but there's been a, a thread of mystery going through our podcast when we try to nail down those stupid masked helmets with like the Triforce symbol from Zelda on the front of it, the white ones. We can't figure out what those helmets are for and what those troopers are for, but I figured it out. Holy crap. I got a little help on Twitter. So those helmets that we have been constantly wondering about are Imperial combat drivers who are trained to handle anything in the Imperial ground arsenal, including speeder bikes, troop transports, and all types of walkers. So they have a special helmet for people who drive things. So that's their class C license, like, or the class <laughs> A license. Like, I can drive anything. Here's my helmet. Yep. Is that what you're telling me? Yep. Okay. Cool. So mystery well, that, solved. That, that wasn't was as exciting as I was. Anticlimactic. <laughs> yep. Um, but speaking of speeder bikes, there is a chase where the rebels are being chased throughout town by some of the said troopers evidently they have stolen a crate of supplies we find out later and they're pursued by several speeder bikes and they're led by commandant oresco and our friends taskmaster grint um which i was really hoping to see grint on a speeder bike because i don't know i'm just fattest and i think it would be funny to see a fat man on a little speeder bike Hmm. that's mean given what happened to him (laughs) at the end of this episode spoilers um, and I also like how the Imperials are just blindly firing around town. Like they just go around a corner and there's, you see like Ugnot carrying a fruit the size of his head and well, he just has to duck blaster fire. Like they don't care. I want to talk about Ezra's plan that works, but is a weird plan after the chase ends, like in its client and the chase's climax, Ezra's idea, we know that and we're told it's his idea is to have these two speeders like drift out with no one on them. Right. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then for the stormtroopers to walk down like an alley and then be shot by Ezra who's standing up on a roof. That's the, that's the plan. Steel, do you have any thoughts about this plan? Ezra's plan? Um, I, I, I don't think it's too well served to, um, <laughs> 
go too deep into the military strategy of Star Wars Rebels. I, I remember fifteen-year-olds. There was, um, there was, I, I don't know. So sometimes it's this weird thing what we're doing because we're, we're watching this cartoon for twelve-year-olds or whatever, and but it's marketed to adults. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it's it's quite confusing. People say, "Oh, it's just a kids." You know, you know, like if you critique it too harshly, mm-hmm. people are like, "Oh, it's just a kids show." And it's like, "Well, don't. Why are you marketing to me?" Like, yeah. if you're having a a voice actor cameo from, um, you know, Saw Gerrera, yeah, mm-hmm. like that's like, and it and it's the actual actor. You're marketing. You like ten year olds don't care. Like yeah. that, that is adult marketing. And, and, you know, even at Celebration, they have like the, the, the big room and the press conference and all that sort of stuff. But there was this one scene where, where this is why I sort of just like, oh, you can't, I don't know, you do your head in trying to think about this stuff. Mm-hmm. So I think it was on Mandalore and people on jetpacks, this is the start of season four and they're shooting and there's like some, like the good guys are on the ground with no cover and they're huddling and Ezra's behind them defending the blaster bolts with his lightsaber. Uh-huh. And it's like, why are you standing behind them? <laughs> like, yeah. I, know, I know just through the, the, the happenstance of Star Wars, they're only shooting at him, but you're not <laughs> protecting the people in front. You're totally right. I don't think they would be putting you know, Chopper and references to General Syndulla in Rogue One because they really want that, like, 10-year-old money coming into the theater, bringing up ticket sales, you know? Like, and the books that they market to, you know, the older older of us, they feature a lot of the characters from this season, so I think you're absolutely right, you know? They kind of want it both ways. It's a kid show, quote-unquote, but, you know, they want us to tune into it. Yeah, so it, it's sort of like I think the, the strategy of all that is uh, is quite uh, strange. I did like through the chase, though. I, d- I did like seeing um, the Ugnaught for some reason. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know why I was so fascinated by this fruit and and the size of it because the fruit was the size of his head. He was carrying this fruit, and I, all I could think, all I could think is like, it must be really cheap to eat as an Ugnaught, like. You just need to buy one fruit and it'll feed you for a couple days or like a hot dog will just like they're set for a week. Yeah, but you can't get a good paying job. So it all balances out. <laughs> the only job you can do is carbonite engineer. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they're back on the ghost now and they see a transmission from Senator Gall Travis, who mm. we are familiar with now. And he proclaims his allegiance to the Empire and throw shade at the specters, which includes like a picture of all of the specters. Yeah. Posed really cool. Like, how did he get that picture? How did they get their, their headshots? Maybe they, maybe they have a rebels Facebook group. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. That has just come up on my screen. That is, it, it's <laughs> right? amazingly, it's, ama- it's amazingly cropped as well. Like whoever yeah. photoshopped out the background did a really good job. <laughs> I wonder if oh they just God. have Imperial Photoshoppers or graphic designers. Like you can be a stormtrooper or you can also be like a barista at their coffee bar. Or yeah, you can be... you get... yeah. I'd rather design the logo for the helmet than wear one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so this is a good thing if you are, cause you told me, you told us you're playing the episode on silent while we're talking about it. See if 
while Kanan is telling Sabine the plan. Look over the back of Sabine's shoulder. I'll put this in the show notes um, when we post this episode. But there's like a poster or some artwork that looks like a weird demented clown Mm. in the back of the ghost that I've never noticed before. And it kind of looks like the type of art that you're like, if you drew that in elementary school, your teacher would call your parents because they thought it was a cry for help. It's really Mm. creepy. Maybe she's into ICP. (laughs) Well, actually, so I mean... It's still really creepy, but I did. I do think I know what it is. Okay. So great setup. I know. Right. I didn't even mean that. Um, So I, for some reason, this is the first time 12 episodes in that I've noticed how much art is around the ghost. Like you'll see Uh that Sabine painted around the doorways and like, but this is clearly all this stuff. Yeah. So one of the things that they have, if you translate, you can see it's kind of fuzzy. There's Arabesh there. I don't know what that one specifically says because it's too fuzzy to translate, but I did do some research and there are multiple music posters hung oh. up around the ghost, including for a band called Space World, a DJ called DJ Rang Thang. Rang Thang. <laughs> Rang Thang. <laughs> Dasha Sigweed and Stargazer. There are posters for all those bands around the ghost. And then also there's rumors of a Max Rebo poster. I am trying to go to a DJ Rang Thang show. <laughs> Because I feel like he might be the equivalent of Earth Cisco. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like that. Earth Cisco. Not just Cisco. <laughs> but since I say, you know. Don't like a truck, truck, truck. Yeah, you remember the what? thong song? What? what? Hey, mate, I know all about the thong song. Don't worry about that. Don't, 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 don't invite me on your show to school me about the thong song. <laughs> it's, it's, um. What? That, that is us. That is us at the um the Mon Calamari um <laughs> the opera in you have you ever heard the Cisco Thong song? <laughs> have you ever heard the tale? Oh Cisco the Thong. They have beautiful beaches oh, in that? Australia, so he's well familiar with the Thong song. No, but that's what I was gonna say. Thongs in Australia are actually flip flops. Um, that is less way less sexy. We just call them bikini. So um, it is one of those weird things when, not that I wear thongs, they disgust me, <laughs> flip flops. The, the, the man's right foot, a man's foot should be covered at all times. And, <laughs> but yeah, when people say, oh, I'm going to put my thongs on. And so people get the wrong impression <laughs> in America because they think they're going to, yeah, get a bit casual. It makes me giggle because I am immature. <laughs> um, so during this transit, this uh, transmission, um, Gal Travis is speaking to Alton Castle, mm-hmm. who evidently is the Ryan Seacrest of the Empire. Yeah. Um, he was he's the host of the Holonet, and he was featured predominantly in some viral marketing before this season came out. He's basically the Caesar Flick Flickerman. Mm, good pull. Hunger Games. I had to look that name up right now. Ha <laughs> <laughs> ha! That's my that's my impression of him. Good job. <laughs> Um, and then at the end of the transmission, because Zeb's like, cut it off. I don't want to see it anymore. Castle and Travis are like holding hands very romantically, and I thought it was sweet. I, 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 I don't want to. I don't want to go to make too big a call, but I, I think as far as covering a hologram holding hands, this is the podcast that goes deep where other people fear too. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, that's on my business card. Wait, they're really holding hands? I kind of don't believe that. 
Oh, I've made you talk about it more. This is oh horrible. Oh, my gosh. I know. <laughs> All right. Why don't you look that up and I'll keep going with keep that going. episode. I'm that up I think you're full of baloney. Um, so, Kanan thinks that they should do it for real. So, his plan is to take over this giant comms tower that's on Lothal and broadcast a message of hope and inspiration. Um, and people think he's crazy. Mm-hmm. Podcasting yeah. will never take off. What are you talking about? <laughs> oh my gosh it's the first star wars podcast no kanan kanan not kanan ezra's mum and dad they they, they were oh, podcasters you're right oh yeah okay they're big time po- po- parties <laughs> coining that i like that um so can you can you, can you uncoin that phrase <laughs> Yeah, I feel really. I feel pretty lame about it. <laughs> right after I, right after I said it, I immediately was like, "Well, oh, that's not cool." <laughs> um, yeah, that's fair. Okay, I'm gonna pause real quick because Mike's pulling up the video. Yeah, they are holding hands. Well, they're shaking hands. That's yeah, but they're shaking hands with like two hands at the same time. That's just a level of sincerity. I also want to point out that this is at minute. Four of twenty-two. So maybe we should pick it up. <laughs> oh my gosh! So for those of you coming along, four twenty-nine is where they are holding hands, and I am right. So we are in Tarkin's office, and the this is where the show gets brutal. Let me yeah. take over. Okay, go ahead. Um, so they're in Tarkin's office, and they call in Task Master, Task Master, um, Grint and com- uh, Commandant Arisco to basically give them a talk about their performance. It's a, it's a, perfor- a performance review. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically what's going on here. And they have not been doing a good job. And so they bring in these two cartoonish characters, tell them they're doing a terrible job, and then the Inquisitor cuts off their head. And in this moment, I was wondering, is this like the writers of the show saying... This isn't your, this isn't your mother's cartoon show anymore. <laughs> like, maybe yeah, well, they were lying to themselves, but <laughs> it is yeah. a remarkably violent scene. Yeah, it is. It, it's yeah. an execution. It's easy to look over too, but I think the actual physical act of the lightsaber is very interesting to me because he kind of like turns it on, so it's sideways. And then pushes it like a shopping cart and presumably cuts off both of their heads at the same time. It's just like a heartless, brutal maneuver. It's good. I like it. It's, yeah, I don't know. Like, I I, I tweeted this before because I watched, you know, I watched this episode. And, and this is my favorite finale of the three finales. Mm. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I, this sort of to me made some promises that the show maybe didn't keep down the track. Like, like it's like all that they're following the, the cats and the wolves around Lothal. It's, it's just a bit, <laughs> mm, is this going to pay off in a way that I care about? Mm-hmm. Um, but this episode is, like, I, I love the more less fourth centric and, and, and more yeah. sort of empire rebellion, um, stuff it, it, it it's far more because I, I i don't know i just all the force mysticism like i kind of don't really like it getting explained in the cartoon 
Hmm. Hmm. Interesting. Did you watch Clone Wars? Yes. How do you and feel the, about all the force mysticism? The, the mortis like arc. The mortis arc. Yeah. Is exactly. my least favorite. Yeah. I, I just find it. I just, I just like the green puppet telling me about it on the side of the fake swamp. That's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> and I am on the fence about the mysticism thing. I, I'm the other side of the spectrum for me still. I really love like the mysticism stuff. Um, so that's why I'm interested about how this Lothal stuff's going to, is that going to pay off at the end of the series, all the mysticism? And I might be really into that, but hmm. who knows? I, I think you're going to be liking the conclusion of the series more than me. Like I'm sort of, all, all, I'm sort of a bit like, I think it's going to end in some like, whoa, are they dead or are they not? They're here with us all the time. And one of them's it's a lost. tree and the other one's a fern. <laughs> one's a bird. Um, yeah. I Sounds right up my alley. Uh, so we are, ba- oh, he, uh, Tarkin says failure will no longer be tolerated after cutting off his underlings heads rest yeah. in power. And he orders Callus to send out probe droids. Yeah. Um, so we are back with the rebels and they are scoping out their target, this comms tower, and they are, they see one of the said probe droids. Um, they're in a little bit of a tight spot because they don't want to be given up. So instead of blasting it out of the sky, Ezra uses the force because he has yeah. learned how to commune with animals. Which and- I think is a smart move. I mean, I, yeah. I feel like, you know, there's very few points of, there's very few points in Rebels where I'm like, that seems like a, like a, a this seems like a good plan with like some logic in it. And this is one of those points where I'm like, that seems like a good idea. Like, if you can, because they've already demonstrated in this show that Ezra can communicate and so can Kanan with animals through the Force. Yeah, use one of them to like, take down this uh, probe droid. That way it looks like it was a natural occurrence rather than like a, uh, a rebel doing it. Yeah. <laughs> so good. Job. Yeah. I don't, I don't, I don't like, I, I don't mind the premise of it, but it's sort of that. And this is just my take and in, in my sensibility, but it's they rebels always seems just to take it to push the friendship with me a little bit too far. Like, mm. like if Ezra <laughs> had just said, you know, made, the, the Lothcat, you know, run off and make the probe droid go after him. Like, do you know what I mean? Because the probe droid's trying to work out what the Lothcat is oh, or, yeah. or he did like a herd of them or something. But the whole jumping on top of it and... Yeah, and then it goes like Tom and Jerry. Like, I, I, <laughs> like I just don't believe like, you know, like a raccoon on meth could take on that <laughs> thing from the start of Empire Strikes Back. Yeah. No. Yeah. No, I don't either. Um, yeah. And it's it, like, I don't know. They, it's tailored for, you know, this Disney XD audience. And so they see, seem to do it every episode where it's just like, oh, did you have to, did you have to push it that far into this dun, 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 sort of um, yeah. type of mode? So, yeah, I, that, I guess that's one of my gripes about the series is, the sometimes the lack of restraint yeah but, they slip it they slip into looney tunes quite a bit yeah 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 and i always wonder like you know they they, they brought they had this which obviously i think at its 
for the most part, skews lower than the Clone Wars as far as... Oh, 100%. Yeah. But then they've got that Lego one as well, the Freemaker Adventures. It's just curious to me. It's like, well, if you've got that Lego one and that's doing this sort of, you know, just out and out, you know, it's pretty goofy, fun stuff. Like, why not tighten this one up a little bit? But I don't know. The whole Disney XD thing. Um, maybe, maybe I'm not remembering this clearly because I'm pur- I'm purposely not rewatching anything except for what we're doing episodes on. But I seem to feel like the tone shifted after the first season. Like they kind of found it their did. legs. It I did. don't know if I'm misremembering that. I, I mean, I think it did. I think this first season is really clunky to me. Oh, uh, really? I I, I kind of like it more. <laughs> oh, see, I once we get into like second, third, fourth, like the fourth season so far has been. It's been exceptional to me. Um, mm. And when, when's he going to tell yeah. um, Kanan that he he met Obi Wan Kenobi? <laughs> <laughs> if, if you meet one of the two remaining Jedi yeah. masters, yeah. you're not bringing it up. <laughs> like, oh my yeah. god! Yeah. Oh. That seems important. There's things like that where it's just it it just does my head in. It's it's like you, how do you get back and not mention? Hey, I just saw Darth Maul kill Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> nah, he's uh, just gonna say this. I've learned a lesson again, guys. It's 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 all about family. No, yeah. <laughs> tell the family you saw Ben Kenobi kill Obi Wan. I mean, well, maybe Darth that's Maul. a thing. Maybe he said his name was Ben, and he was like, "Oh, I don't, I don't know Ben. He probably wasn't even really a Jedi." Shut up! Shut <laughs> up! <laughs> this is a very minor thing, but this is the podcast for minor things. I really like how he tells Callus, like, no, we're going to lay a trap. And Callus kind of like backs out slowly. That <laughs> like, scene was weird. Like, okay, whatever you want. Don't kill me. Don't. Okay, bye. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember what Callus said, but he even said something weird in response. It was like, oh, oh okay. And like he was, there was a, a weird hesitancy. Well, I think he wanted to just build up. Like he, he was like, we need to defend that calm tower because we can't lose it. And so, and then Willow was like, no, let them think that it's still undefended and we'll spring a trap. And he's like, oh, okay. Yeah. Don't kill me, please. <laughs> um, so the trap is in play. One thing I really like is part of this trap, or not the trap, the plan to take over the comm tower is now in play. And one thing I like about this plan is that they're using computer spikes which hmm, I've yeah. been fascinated with ever since Knights of the Old Republic. It was a thing yeah. you used to use to hack yeah. computers in Knights of the Old Republic, and I never knew exactly how they worked. So I like in this series, you physically see, you see the physical computer spike. Evidently, it's like a USB drive, but it hacks things. Yeah. If it works, we should be able to use this to transmit directly through the tower. How are we doing? Well, Chopper has a spike. We get him into the tower, and he can upload it right into the computer core from any terminal. Stop complaining, bulk brain. You have the easy job. What's the range of this spike? As long as the tower's transmitting, we're good to go. Everyone will hear what we say. Well, anyone who's listening. I really like that you can physically see how the computer spike works. It's kind of like, have you ever been on a Reddit? Oddly satisfying. The, the way that this physically goes into the slot, I found very oddly satisfying. Huh. Oh, that I think we're going into a part of fandom that I don't want to <laughs> know about. <laughs> All right, move along here. Um, so evidently, as we've, noticed, as we've said... Love seeing, just love seeing a computer get spiked. Oh, satisfying. 
a little weird. <laughs> so as we've mentioned, it's a trap. Um, and That's right, hey, Chopper. Spike it. Spike it, Chopper. <laughs> oh Sorry. Oh, my gosh. I'm gonna, I feel very weird now. <laughs> so the Inquisitor shows up. Um, Kalis shows up. A bunch of troops show up. Notably, Tarkin doesn't show up. I like that he's like too good to get his hands dirty. No, he's not a co- he's not a fighter. We know that. Yeah, but it's it's nice. It's a nice character moment. Um, and Kanan covers for them. Yeah. He says he's gonna be right behind them. Which did you notice that the binary sunset theme starts playing when he yeah. says he's gonna sacrifice himself? I thought that was rad. Um, I have nothing to really talk about with their whole fight, but I like the the lightsaber battle i think that was done well i think it was short i don't think anything crazy like double black backflips are happening <laughs> i think it was tastefully done which i think rebels does well with lightsaber fights i think they know how mm-hmm. to tastefully do it um and i like that kanan says i will be i'll be right behind you because if you remember from the comic books the last thing dipa balaba says oh. to kanan before ah. she dies is i'll be right behind you that's literally the last thing she says i don't know if that's intentional but good catch. it could be like a it could be like a trauma <laughs> moment like <laughs> like he just instinctively says that and then of course that's cool that's cool yeah yeah and then the inquisitor um the only thing i'll say about this lightsaber fight is that the inquisitor kind of gets knocked back he goes oh you've been practicing and i feel like they did a good job of actually animating that like I think Kanan literally looks like he's better with a lightsaber than he was in the beginning of the series. Yeah. Which is kind of a cool touch. Um, <laughs> I got to jump to the very last scene, Ezra's <laughs> speech at the end. I can't help but think this is, j- it was like a Pinterest inspirational <laughs> meme. It was, it was lovely. It was a little cheesy. Ah, it me a bit. I... I'm going to do something that I've, I, this could be the first time ever. I've done a lot of podcasts, you guys, <laughs> but I don't think I've ever come to Ezra's defense on a podcast before. <laughs> oh, <wow. laughs> I, I think this is his, this was Ezra at his best. Ooh, like I, I find him like in season two and, and three, so annoying with just the way he just ignores just basic common sense and previous episodes. Like he just, are you going to trust Darth Maul again? That's, that's like a brilliant <laughs> idea. And, <laughs> and, and just him learning the, the lesson of family just so many times. And, but this was, I, I, this was for my sensibilities, the like pitch perfect. It appears the insurgents have gained control of the tower's transmitter. We have been called criminals, but we are not. We are rebels, fighting for the people. Fighting for you. I'm not that old, but I remember a time when things were better on Lothal. Maybe not great, but never like this. See what the Empire has done to your lives, your families, and your freedom? It's only gonna get worse. Unless we stand up and fight back. Uh, yeah, it is, uh, it's corny, but I, it, like I, I, sometimes I, I really like the corny stuff. Um, you know, Han Solo talking mm-hmm. about the force, all that good stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, yeah, I, I actually, this, this is, this is my Ezra high point. This, mm-hmm. is, this is, this is my peak Ezra. His parents would be proud. 
They would be. I'm proud. Oh. He's become a real podcaster in this moment. (laughs) So that's the end of the episode. Um, There is one last thing we do um, to give our overall impression of the episode is we do a subjective subjective scale Mm -hmm. where we pick the worst thing in our opinion about Star Wars and the best thing about in our opinion about Star Wars and then something that lands wherever we think this episode lands. So, Mike, would you like to give an example? Sure. So my scale is on a on a scale of C-3PO was created by Anakin Skywalker, which is a a true low point for me. (laughs) Um, to the best thing being Luke staring out into the twin sense sunset on Tatooine while John Williams binary sunset theme plays, um, and a new hope, um, which is the absolute best thing I would rank this episode as a, um, Oh God, I'm, I would rank this episode as a, um, the scene in attack of the clones where they, they meet Watto for the <laughs> second time, and he's wearing that lovely tin hat. And he's little Annie. Which I, I don't know how some people feel about it, but I'm okay with it. I kind of like it. It's a little silly, but um, and that that grade translation for me is like a B, like not the best, not the worst, maybe a B minus, B B minus. Um, it's endearing, but not a hundred percent. Nice. Amazing. Yeah. So mine is from a scale of Jar Jar Binks being farted on by an Eopi and going, P-Yusa. And then um, the best thing is Luke and Vader's fight at the end of Return of the Jedi. I give this episode Sheev looking at Mace Window and going, it's treason then. And then doing that crazy spin and that ah, sound effect, which Ooh. I say is a B plus because I really like that and it's closer to an A if you didn't know how letters worked. So Steel, uh, what's what's your scale and grade? We are remarkably similar in our Ooh, scale. Hmm. I was going to say on a scale of people talking about Ezra being the other that Yoda <laughs> mentions <laughs> in Empire Strikes Back. Oh no, I didn't know that was a thing. To Luke doing a flip and catching the lightsaber oh. and killing oh. everyone on the skiff. <laughs> I give this a rating of a pretty decent part of Revenge of the Sith. Nice. Which is, you know, that could be the, um, the sheave uh, <laughs> circle thing. <laughs> nice. So around what letter grade would that be? Yeah. As far as rating it as, as far as rating it as Star Wars, mm-hmm. I would give it a B minus. As far as rating it as a Star Wars Rebels episode, I would give it. All right. Nice. So thanks so much. Um, is there anything? Where can the people find you? What would you like to plug? Um, on all the main social medias, it's mm-hmm. a, it's at Steel Wars. I'm constantly uh, discussing Star Wars with people on Twitter and um, and posting up cool photos on Instagram or hopefully cool. And my <laughs> podcast, Steel Wars, puts out two episodes a week. One is normally a uh, sort of an in-depth interview with someone in Star Wars or a Star Wars fan. We've 
had like actors from the movies and and people that work behind the scenes and comic book yeah. writers, all that good stuff. And hey, you're like a journalist. I'm it's trying. Impressive. I'm trying. Thank you. That you've, is quite you've a even interviewed Ryan Johnson on yeah. the carpet. Uh, yeah, Ryan Johnson and Kathleen Kennedy. Oh, and, and you can yeah. watch all that stuff on on YouTube. Mm-hmm. I'm doing more stuff. Um, probably by the time this is out on YouTube. So, if, but I guess we're talking to podcast listeners, so they're already podcast listeners. But, um, and then, and, and the second episode we do every week is like a call in show. So we go through the week's news and people can Skype or call in, like talkback radio and ask questions or, or throw in their opinion and stuff. And we have like special guests from the podcast come on and do that. And, uh, it's super fun. It's a really sort of, I guess in Star Wars podcasting, a, a different sort of format. And it's it's yeah. fun because you never know what you're going to talk about and you're sort of talking about what the people want to talk about, which is mm-hmm. which is really cool. And, um, yeah. you know, we have like like creators and, and actors and, and Stephen Stanton always seems to call in every couple of weeks, <laughs> which is really fun and, and does a character, which is uh, always <laughs> a treat. But, um, yeah, thanks so much for having us. It was, it was awesome fun. And... Um, yeah, thank you so much. If you have a um a spare episode later on, I'm I'm more than happy to uh hear about your weird <laughs> computer spiking <laughs> fetishes one more time. <laughs> oh man, I feel oh, yeah. dirty. Oh yeah. Yeah, Confused we're gonna hope to do more seasons, so we'll definitely hit you up. Thank you so much. We we really appreciate you making the time. You we gotta do more seasons. Oh we will. Oh we will. We'll do them all. We're gonna be doing them all. Yeah. Do you hear that? What is that? Uh, uh, I'm trying to make it sound like a bell, but it's a coffee cup. Yeah, it sounds like a coffee cup. But pretend it's a bell. Because it's the school bell and class is in session. You like that? (sighs) (laughs) Uh, This is the third and final for now. Deep dive into the origins of the force and the force in general. Okay. So if we're going to talk about the origins of the force, only one place we can really talk about that place called Mortis. So, if you're not familiar with Mortis, it was first introduced in the Clone Wars, where Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka were tricked into visiting a place named Mortis that was inhabited by three incredibly powerful beings. They were identified by the father, daughter, and the son. Do you like my spooky voice? Mm, Didn't didn't say any different. (laughs) Uh, the, th- this place, Mortis, it took many forms and was incredibly hard to find. Some thinking it existed outside the known universe and even outside of time and space itself. Hmm. While on Mortis, Qui-Gon Jinn appeared to Obi-Wan. This is the only time, as we mentioned before, oh, yeah. he never mastered being able to take a corporal form. Um, except for on Mo- Mortis. He was able to become a force ghost on Mortis. And he appeared to Obi-Wan and he said, quote, Mortis was a conduit through which the entire force of the universe flows. So in a previous deep dive, we talked about Yoda's quest to learn how to become a force ghost. And his quest led him to a mysterious planet 
inhabited by a bunch of force priestesses. Um, some think that, that planet is the wellspring of life, which is powerful in the force, so powerful that it may actually be where the force originates. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like to think about it from what Qui-Gon said that the force originates in the wellspring of life and then it flows through Mortis. He says it's a conduit, so it's kind of It's like, like the island on Lost. Ooh, good pull. That's, that is exactly what it's like. Um, and so we don't really know what the exact function of these conduits are, these locations that act as like force sewers, <laughs> for lack of a better word. Um, but they have popped up from time to time in many different forms. So we have seen in, I mean, I'm not going to spoil it, but it seems like we saw Mortis in season four and it appeared much different then we saw it in a different way and had a much different function, but it might not have been Mortis either because there are other locations that have eerie similarities to Mortis. So maybe it's not quite unique. Um, what I do want to talk about on Mortis is Anakin's trials while on that quote unquote planet. Um, so when he arrives, Obi-Wan says he feels an intersection of the light and dark that he has never felt before. That is because the person we know as the daughter uh, represented in a very real way the living embodiment of the light side of the Force, and the son represented the living embodiment of the dark side of the Force. And the father ruled them both, representing the balance between the two. So he was the only being powerful enough to have to be able to control both his daughter and his son and make sure that neither of them gets out and wreaks havoc. Um, but it turns out the father is dying. So he brought Anakin there because he heard on the grapevine that Anakin might be the chosen one. So he decided to give Anakin a test. And I won't go into details of exactly what the test was, but it turns out that Anakin is in fact powerful enough to dominate both the son and the daughter at the same time, so he must be the chosen one. As such, he asks Anakin to Anakin, <laughs> he asks <laughs> Anakin to fulfill his destiny and become the new father and stay on Mortis to keep balance within the Force. As you can probably guess, he wasn't there. (laughs) Yeah. So he turned his back on his destiny as the Chosen One. Um, So that's a little bit of the mysticism. It's kind of like this weird, um, I think you brought it up, you said kind of like Greek mythology kind of origin of the Force. Um, and I always thought, you know, the chosen one was more of a philosophical kind of thing, but this was interesting to me because it was kind of a very real representation of Anakin's duty as the chosen one. Yeah. Like he has well, to stay in this place and do some stuff. I know. It's almost like by, it's almost like it's this episode in the Clone Wars presents like a problem to like the prophecy. Cause it's like, were the Jedi misinterpreting the prophecy? Was he the chosen mm-hmm. one to stay on Mortis? <laughs> yeah, that's... And that's how he was bringing balance because something you didn't mention, I'll quickly say, is that yeah. 
the father, the son, and the daughter all die at the end of this episode yeah. in Clone Wars. Mm -hmm. And so they stop existing. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's another really interesting philosophical So there's philosophical no harmony thing. at all. Yeah. So, or did he bring balance by killing them? We don't know. So I think we, we look at this, you know, there's always this question, like, did Anakin fulfill the prophecy when he killed all the Jedi? Because now there are not a lot of Jedi and not a lot of Sith, so they're balanced. Did yeah. he fulfill the prophecy when he threw the Emperor off of the ledge and, you know, let the good guys win? Or was his was the prophecy, like, literally to stay in this planet and make sure these two people didn't get out? <laughs> um, yeah. I mean... I mean, it's so lost. I can't help. It's like so lost, like the man in black and like, oh yeah. I mean, you know, controlling these two, like keeping them where they are, uh, which is interesting. Was, was there a light side on the, on the, in toward the end of lost? I don't yeah, remember. There's like a light side and the dark side, like always battling. Oh yeah. And there was one person kind of keeping them at bay. Okay. Um, but I don't know. It's interesting. I mean, I don't know if you're going to, are you going to bring up season four of rebels briefly? I don't want to. I think we're going to... Let's keep that all... Okay. I don't want to spoil anything we haven't talked about on this show yet. Do you know um, where I was going, though? I think so. With the daughter, the son, and the father. I mean... I mean, they were this isn't episode. a spoiler. All I'm going to say is there's a mural of them. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's. I think that's why it indicates that whatever had to do with that mural in season four that came out, that some people think that is Mortis, just in a different form. Yeah. Um, because... It evidently had something to do with these three figures that were that were important to the force in one way or another. Um, it's still complete. It's not still unclear exactly what their origins are or anything like that. But um, I think it's an interesting conversation. Mm. Um, another thing I liked is why I was wondering asking about the light side was I like this idea that balance doesn't just mean you know let all lights let's like, let's all be good and peaceful to everyone because. They were just as worried for the daughter to get out as the son. Um, they didn't want the light side to wreak havoc across the universe either. Maybe because of, you know, there is no darkness without light and vice versa. I mean, um, it's Taoist. I think I keep saying it, mm -hmm. but you can't, you totally. can't light a candle without casting a shadow. Totally. Um, so I like that. Um, while we're on the subject though, I mentioned other locations. Um, it's been brought up that Octo actually has some similarities between Mortis and Octo. And to a lesser extent, uh, Dagobah has a couple things like this. So there is a theory. I didn't really read it anywhere. Maybe I made this theory up. It's my theory and it's completely wrong. But that there are lots of the diff these different planets or locations that are a conduit for the Force. Um, so if you read the last Jedi visual dictionary, which I've mentioned before, and it's super cool, um, they say that Octo is quote force infused, the same as Dagobah and Mortis. So those were mentioned in relation to the last Jedi. Um, I also mentioned before that there was a depiction, like a mural, another kind of like Taoist thing is like yin, yin and yang of the prime Jedi on Octo. And it shows the prime Jedi sitting between the light side and the dark side in a state of balance, um, which is very physically manifested on Octo, where the light and the dark both flow and balance on the planet. You see this when like mm. Ray reaches out to feel the force and she talks about like, the darkness and the light living in harmony. Yeah. Um, 
There's also a mural just like that on Mortis and Clone Wars. It looks almost exactly the same. I don't think there's a person sitting there, but it's like the the Sith and the Jedi symbol, or it's the light side and the dark side symbol, kind of combined and then split in half, like showing balance between the light side and the dark. Mm. Um, we also see that there is a place where Rey goes uh, to interact directly with the dark side um, on Octo, which is the same as Dagobah, uh, with that kind of magic tree where the dark side flows through that place. Yeah, oh, the cave of evil. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then another. Oh, wait, oh, you're talking about Ray. Well, yeah, Ray goes to like the. She goes into that like fountain thing, like underwater. Yeah. Um, but yeah. it, it's very similar to the Dagobah cave, right? Yeah. Um. So the last thing is that on Mortis, the weather seems to swing wildly between like a beautiful, serene, really bright place and like really dangerous, depending on if it's night or or day. And they say like you can't stay out at night because the storms are deadly. And if you notice, Octo has similar characteristics. Every time you see Octo at night, it's rainy and it's stormy and it looks pretty dangerous. But during the day, it's like a beautiful, serene, placid place. Um, mm. So I'm really interested to see if any more locations like this uh, pop up or if they like more clearly dive into this stuff, stuff in episode nine. Because uh, this might be a stretch, but I see some pretty interesting parallels between Luke and the daughter, and Kylo Ren, and the son, and Rey, and the father. Hmm. So Luke is like the light side embodiment, Kylo Ren is the dark side embodiment, and Rey is the kind of middle ground between them both. So that's complete conjecture. I haven't gotten that anywhere, but I'd be really interested to see if they flesh that out in episode nine. Oh, that would be cool. Yeah. So thanks for sitting through my class, everybody. No, that's interesting. I... The more I um, think about the Force and this kind of mythological side, the more I like it. Mm -hmm. I think I'm in the minority on that. I, I think, think I people generally just like the larger spiritual view of it rather than like the mythological view. Yeah. I but like it too. I'm really I like this. Stuff. And I, I think we're a pretty small minority. Yeah. You're a like Star this. Wars apologist. <laughs> anything well, disney does if spoon feeds you you're just gonna sup it all up well i mean if you think and I, and I was just doing a little research there's only five episodes in which two of which are in season four of rebels so there's only three clone wars episode where this mythology is really um like fleshed out mm -hmm. and i just feel like these three episodes have such like massive implications to the force like they do yeah, and totally. people don't recognize it like it's like people ignore it but it's canon it's the one you know george lucas wrote that like worked on this like yeah totally it's yeah. It, it's people forget how involved in clone wars he was and it's like you can't ignore this this is part of i don't know it's like people yeah. picking and choosing their canon it's like no canon is it's very clear what's canon. Yeah. And I don't know. That's a really good point, actually. I, I don't think a lot of people give credit to, because, you know, a lot of their complaints, especially with what just happened in season four of Rebels is, oh, they're introducing all this stuff. But no, they're, they're expanding on what George Lucas clearly laid out. 
Yeah. Um, oh, everything yeah. in Clone Wars, even if it wasn't written by him, was run by run by him. Dave Filoni yeah. was very truly his right hand person. So, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. It's like you. I don't know. It's like you have to understand that they. This is part of the universe. It's like you can like the Beatles, but you can't say they only wrote three albums. Yeah, you know what I mean? that's a good. You can't be like these are the only albums wrote. Like no, yeah. like if you go to a live show, they're gonna play more than those three <laughs> guys. Like sorry. Yeah. Um, that's a that's a good analogy you know i think that's how i like to look at it is that it's all canon it's all within the beatles catalog but you know yeah. what maybe you hate octopus garden doesn't mean it's not a beatles song yeah like, you don't have to listen to it that's how i look look at it you know yeah you don't have to read the books you don't have to watch the series you don't have to dive deep into the mythology if you don't like it it could just all be like pod racers and laser swords if you want which is <laughs> totally totally yeah, cool you could go the other way it's like if you're gonna choose to have you know it'd be yeah it's like i could just choose to make this yeah just pod races like it's all star wars could be to me if i wanted that gosh i, I want i hope there's someone who does that <laughs> like i'm just i just die for those pod racing parts <laughs> <laughs> Cool. So thank you for tuning in to this episode of Rebels Rebels. Yeah. Um, you know where to find us. Hit us up on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Rebels Rebels Pod. Or you can email the show at Rebels Rebels Pod at gmail.com. If you want us to uh, do a birthday party or come be on your <laughs> podcast or, um, you know, speak at a conference, whatever. We can sing a song. Mike has a lovely singing voice. It's a bare tone, so I'm going to need some, a, a soprano. Please, please, please leave us a review on iTunes or sure. just like tell your friends, write a letter, you know, yeah. whatever you want. And while you're at it, check out our friend Steel Saunders. He did such a good job on this episode. You can check out his show Steel Wars. He has a live call-in show and just a regular show. He does live shows in LA. It's super fun. He just had on Ben Mendelsohn which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, so yeah, please check out his stuff. He's a deer. Yeah. And until next time, be brave out there and don't look back. Don't look back. Bye. Bye. Bye.